So I'm pretty excited to be here at Christian Family Center. I almost said Family Center. Christian Family Center. By the way, if you are new or visiting, so glad you're here. I know somebody already said that, but uh, we may seem a little bit crazy in this church. It's because Jesus Christ has changed our lives. Amen. And so if you are new or visiting, sit back, relax. Just uh, enjoy it. God loves you. He cares for you and has an amazing plan for your life. Well, I've been married. Just a little snapshot. I've been married 20 years. Wednesday, next week, 19th of September. Uh, it's pretty amazing, hey, 20 years. It's been the tw- best 20 years of my wife's life, let me tell you. And uh, she's not here to defend that, obviously. But um, I have three amazing children, and they are 15-year-old daughter, Esther, a 13-year-old son, Joel, and 11-year-old daughter called Laura. Uh, it does blow my mind a little bit because I feel like I'm only 20. I look at two, don't I? <laughs> That's where you say amen. <laughs> Some of you are like, not really, buddy. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to, I forgot to ask how long I have to, before I've got to sit down. Uh, three o'clock this afternoon. Perfect. That was it? Wow, that wasn't, that didn't go down well at all. <laughs> I'm going to, I'll be done in about half an hour, you all right? Uh, Lord, we thank you for your grace. Nobody like you, Jesus. Nobody. Nobody could save a life. Nobody can redeem somebody. Nobody can give us a purpose and a hope and life that only is found in you. And so this morning I pray, Lord, like I always pray privately, but love to pray publicly. I need you, Holy Spirit. Help me articulate your word and help all of us to receive something from you that we might change on the inside so that we can leave this auditorium and change our community, our city, our nation, and even the nations of the world. Lord, we thank you for who you are. And Holy Spirit, I don't invite you into this auditorium because it's weird and it's strange to invite somebody that is already in the room. I just want to tell you, thank you that you are here. And Jesus, we exalt you, we praise you, and Lord, we want to tell you again that we love you. In your precious name, amen. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever spent time doing something that you regretted? You ever spent time, maybe it was in a relationship, maybe it was a business that didn't seem to go anywhere, you ever spent time doing something that, that you've kind of like, you look back on, you wish you could go back and change what you did? Has anyone wasted time before? Anybody spent time doing things that you just wish you could turn back the clock, but you can't turn the clock back because that's just not going to happen? But you ever done things in life where you just wish you didn't do? Spent time, spent money, spent these things that you just can't change, but you want to? I mean, like anybody gone to a movie before? that you went to the movie and, you know, it was horrible. Anyone done that before? And I've done it, I've done it multiple times, but I, I went to a movie. Uh, I can't see how bad it is. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Um, it was a vampire movie. Twilight, Twilight. Does anyone remember Twilight? Some of you are like, you a pastor, you shouldn't be watching those movies. Don't worry, God's okay with it. And, and I went to this movie, Twilight, and I'm giving you a little bit of insight into my, my mind here, but I, I love these sort of movies. I love movies with blood and guts and, you know, shoot 'em up type movies. Typical bloke, I suppose, in some ways. And, and uh, you know, there's a whole lot of shootings. I'm down with this movie. I love these sort of movies. And I went to Twilight thinking that's what it was going to be, a whole bunch of vampires killing some werewolves. Come on now, does anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm sitting through the movie. And I'm waiting, waiting for the scenes, I'm waiting for the, the, the fights, I'm, there's nothing happening. All it was, was some lame, terrible love story. Sorry if you like Twilight here, but it's okay, Jesus can set you free later. But it was a horrible movie. I was devastated, two and a half, three hours of my life that I will never get back. But you think about this 
this thought, spending time, spending money. It's an interesting truth because the title of my message this morning is this, spending and being spent. Spending and being spent. You see, the truth is all of us in this room right now, actually all the 7.23 billion people that are roaming planet Earth, we all have the same amount of time every week. There's 168 hours every single week. Seven times 24 is 168 hours. Nobody gets any more. Nobody gets any less. We're all given the same amount of time every single week. And the truth is this, this time next Sunday, all of us would have spent that 168 hours. Now we're all going to spend it different ways, doing different things. But the truth remains that we're all going to have spent that that time. Now, I want to talk to you about this, this thought because you actually find it in the Bible that Paul the Apostle talks about these, these words, spending and, and being spent, because I'm convinced of this in, in our lives, that God wants to use you and me. He wants to spend our lives, come on now, for the cause of Jesus Christ, that God wants to spend our lives, to, to use our lives to influence other people for the cause of Jesus Christ. That the church is not just for the church. Uh, come on now, it's not just for you and me. It is for us, but it's for the myriads of people out there that don't know the grace and the goodness and the mercy and the love of Jesus Christ. You see, this thing called church and the, the kingdom of God and the cross of Christ is all about connecting people with an omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient God called Jesus who loves them unbelievably. And so this thought, uh, to me, it was very interesting when I read this in the Bible. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15. Paul says this. Now, a bit of context. He is talking to the church in Corinth. It's, it's a local, it's a geographical place. He's talking to a church, much like today, a body of people, a fellowship of people. And he comes to this church and he articulates something to them that, that got me thinking about this whole thought. It got me thinking about my own life what we're doing with our churches on the Gold Coast. We currently have four churches on the Gold Coast and we've planted one in Rio in Brazil and God's doing great things in our part of the world. But I'm thinking about this whole thing, serving Jesus. Come on now. I've been thinking about it for a while now and, and I noticed something about Paul here. He, he articulates this. He says to the church, to this body of people, he says, but I will very gladly spend my own resources and be utterly spent for your souls. If I love you greatly, am I to be loved by you less? Paul makes this statement to a church. He says, I will very gladly spend all of my resources and I will be utterly spent for your souls. Pretty amazing statement. <laughs> Pretty amazing thing to say to a church. But I, I, as I was reading this and unpacking a bit more in the church in Corinth, and, and if you have been around church for any amount of time, and maybe for those that are new to church and new to the Bible, if you understand Paul's life, he, he lived what he is saying here. He wasn't somebody that just said something but then didn't do it. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, one of the greatest men of God to ever live on planet Earth. He lived his life literally spending everything he had and being utterly spent 
for these people. Like this is, this is amazing to me. This really triggers something off in my heart. Because look, can we be honest in church? It's good to be honest, isn't it? By default, we can be selfish. Oh, let me just personalize it. Some of you don't believe me. I can be selfish. <laughs> like by default, there's this selfish nature I have. I want to live for me. What, what makes me happy? Is, is this going to please me? Is this going to make me feel good? And is this, is this going to benefit my life? And we have this, this nature in us that was you know, stemmed from Adam way back in the garden when they messed it up and sin entered mankind. And we all wrestle with this tension of you know, wanting to live for ourselves. But when we understand the grace and the goodness of God and who we're, who we're serving and what we're a part of and we read scriptures like this, it does something in our hearts where we got to understand that we are not just here for us, that the church will not be built, come on now, on, on just the, you know, the gifts and the talents of a few. But it's going to be built on the sacrifice of many. Come on, you need great pastors and you do have great pastors. You need great leaders. But it's not going to be built... Christian Family Center will not be built on a few people. It's going to be built on an army of people that are going to say, you know what, I'm here to serve God, to serve the kingdom of God, to build the church of Jesus Christ and live with a passion and a heart that says, well, I'm going to gladly spend my life for this cause. Now, Paul says this, but he also does it. And it made me wonder, where did he get this, this, this passion from? It's a good question to ask. Where did Paul get this commitment to say to this church that I'm going to be utterly spent. I'm going to spend all my resources for your soul. I'm going to give you everything. Where did he find this sort of commitment? Where did he find this passion? Where did he find this, this heart to say to these people? And I think we can find it in the scripture in Matthew chapter 22, verse, verse 15. Matthew chapter 22, verse 15. Before I read this to you, it was an interesting story in coming out of New York many years ago in, in Brooklyn, New York, a true story about a man who was being charged for domestic violence. And he's been charged for, for beating his, his wife. He's in court, and the prosecutor asked him this question. He said to this guy, have you stopped beating your wife? <laughs> That's a very interesting question. Because no matter which way this guy goes, he's in trouble. If he says, yes, I have stopped beating her, that means he once did. If he says, no, that means he still is. So they trap him in his words and he gets charged for the crime. This story in Matthew chapter 22, verse 15 is the same scenario, same, same, but different. You have these religious people in Matthew 22, verse 15, it says the, the Pharisees, they're a body of people, they're a religious group of people, they don't like Jesus, they're not about his purpose, they're not about his plans. And it says that they laid plans to trap him in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Listen to this. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Can you hear the, don't read the Bible just in black and white. Hear the cynicism behind these words. Oh, we know you're a teacher. You know, you're not swayed by other people. They're, they're trying to work Jesus. But how many know you can't work Jesus? You, you, can't, you can't fool him. He knows everything. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites. Oh, don't you like Jesus? He's not a wimp. He's not namby-pamby. Some people think he's that, you know, I don't know where, whoever the artist got that image of Jesus with the blonde hair and blue eyes. 
You know, that, have you ever seen that image looking like that surfer dude who lives on the Gold Coast? He was a Middle Eastern guy. There was no beaches around there. But he's not this wimpy, namby, pamby, girly pants. He was strong. And here he is looking at these religious people saying, you hypocrites. Oh, I like him. <laughs> he says, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They bought him a denarii and he asked them, whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, so give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. So Paul says to the church in Corinth, I'm going to spend all my resources. I'm going to gladly do this. Not begrudging. I'm going to gladly spend all my resources. Actually, as a matter of fact, I'm going to be utterly spent for your souls. Now, when Paul says this and he lives it, I was asking the question of my own heart and thinking about his own life and thinking, how, how can he live like this? How can he say this? Because you don't know me that well. But let me just give you a little insight into my head. I want to live like Jesus did. I want to live like Paul did. I want to be somebody that will, will live for others. Amen. That will spend my life helping other people. Amen. So I got to ask the question, how did he do this? And interesting to note in this scripture, that's un been unpacked here where these Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus. They're trying to outsmart him, but you can't outsmart somebody who knows everything. And Jesus says to them, okay, let me answer the question. Give me a coin. Give me the denarii. So they hand him this coin, and then he asks them a question. little side note here. Whoever asks the questions in a conversation controls the conversation, gives it direction. Does that make sense? And Jesus knows this, so he says, well, let me ask you a question. Whose image is on this coin? Whose inscription? So they reply, well, it's Caesar's. And Jesus says, you're right. So give to Caesar what is Caesar's. His image is on it. So it partly belongs to him. Then he says, but give to God what is God's. See, here, well, here's one thing I want to share with you this morning. I've got, just got two points to share after this. This is what I think Paul understood about the power of what Jesus is saying in these words here. He says, whose image is on the coin? Let me ask you a question this morning. Whose image have you been created in? The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 1, for those that may be wondering, that God created man in his own image. The image of God, he created male and female. You see, so Jesus says to these guys, whose inscription, whose image is on the coin? And they rightfully say Caesar's. And Jesus says, give back to Caesar's what is his and to God what belongs to God. So the reality is this, that God has placed his image on our hearts. His image has been inscripted on our souls. His image has been implanted in your life. So if his image is on you, then, well, we give back to God what belongs to God, which is our lives. Come on now, your life is not your own. <laughs> it belongs to God. And when you realize that this image that God has, literally we're a reflection of him, that he has inscripted his image onto our hearts, then I realize my life belongs to him and I must give back to God what belongs to him, which is everything. Paul understood this, I believe, and he lived with this commitment and this passion. You see, I, I'm convinced of this, that the church is going to continue moving forward. Nothing will stop it. The kingdom of God will move forward. The reality is you and I can be in that or out of it. Come on now. I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I want to be in it. 
I want to live with this passion and this zeal like Paul did. And says, I'll gladly spend my resource. I'm going to be utterly spent for your souls. You ever watch the game? Like, I mean, you think about that game last night. I know the All Blacks lost. By the way, I go for the All Blacks. Love the All Blacks. As long as they're not playing the Wallabies because we just get thrashed. But you watch that game at the end of it. These guys are spent. Come on, you ever seen a game that's gone into extra time? You watch them and they, at the end of the day, they're laid out on their back and they're sucking the air in because they're utterly spent all their energy. Everything they have, they poured it out onto this field. I kind of want to live like that building the church, building the kingdom of God. I want to live like that in my marriage and raising my children up. I want to live like that in life. Amen. I don't want to live boring and average and mundane and a mediocre life. I want to live a life that's full of zeal, full of passion, full of commitment to the cause of Christ. Why? Because, well, he placed his image all all inside my heart. And when I realized that, he speaks of value. Do you know how valuable you are this morning? Wow. I'm getting just preaching myself happy right now. You know how precious you are to God that he would place his image inside of you? It speaks of value, treasure, worth. No other part of God's creation has his image like that. But he did with mankind. And Let me quickly give you two things and I'm going to pray for you before I hand it back. If Paul understood this image of Christ and the image of God is on his soul, I believe he also understood these two things I'm going to tell you now, very simple, fundamental things of our faith. I'm a preacher. You'll get great teachers in here, and they'll unpack the Word of God, but you'll catch what I say. And This is amazing to me because it's the fundamentals of our faith, but I find you know, the longer you serve God and you're a part of the thing called the church, it's easy to forget the fundamentals. It's easy to forget the simplicity of the gospel. And the first thing is this. This is why God wants to use it. This is why he has a right to our lives. Amen? He has a right to us, to you, to me, because of creation. God has a right to your life because he created you. The Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, it says that all things were created by him and for him and in him all things Hold together. <laughs> That's good news. It says the, literally all things were created by him and for him. He's actually before all things, but in him all things are held together. This speaks of the omnipotence of God that, that he formed you and shaped you, that he has a divine plan and purpose for your life. Now the purpose of God for you may be very different to me. Mine may be different to you, but the truth remains that God has designed you, shaped you, formed you, created you a certain way with gifts, with talents. And according to those talents and gifts, we have this unbelievable privilege of being a part of serving God in the kingdom and saying, God, I'm here to spend my life for the cause of Jesus because I know that you have created me with a purpose, that we are not here by accident. I mean, there's these ridiculous theories out there. One of them is called the Big Bang Theory. You ever heard of that before? It's crazy. Think about it. There's a couple of planets out there somewhere in the universe and they come together and bam, you and I turn up. Think about the intricacies of the human nature, the emotions, feelings, thinking. It's crazy. I mean, that's a theory out there. Oh, well, just a couple of planets got together, boom, and we turned up. What about evolution? 
I mean, let me just be honest with you. I, I didn't come from a monkey. Some of you don't believe me. <laughs> I mean, have a look at this face. Does it look like I came from some monkey? <laughs> some of you again, well, <laughs> we did not come from some inferior creation. Now, I'm not a green peace tree hugging type of guy. I'm not going to go burn trees down for no reason or kill some dolphin. But the truth is this, we are the pinnacle of God's creation. Come on now, he created us with a purpose that we didn't just come from some monkey, something back there in time and we evolved into what we are now. No, there is a creator, the living God who saw you in your mother's womb, being knitted together and forming you and shaping you, giving you your personality that he has this divine plan for your life. And he says, hey, listen, I've created you. I've placed my image on you. So your life belongs to him. It doesn't belong to you anymore. And when we realize this, that the grace and the goodness of God has, has created us and there is this plan that he has in his heart that we're on a pursuit of finding out his purpose and his plan for our lives, it is amazing what God will do with us and through us. That we see the miracle power of God flowing through our lives, amen? That God does amazing things through us. What we are a part of is not a religion. <laughs> I don't like religion. Religion is a whole bunch of rules and regulations. What you and I have to do to please God, what you and I have to do to earn our, you know, get into God's good books, that's religion. This is a relationship that we have with God. So let me just say this. I'm not talking like this to, you know, that you may have a sense of, if you're not doing much with your life, and then you feel, oh man, I'm feeling condemned. Don't, don't take it from that heart because God doesn't need you to do anything to earn his love. He loves you. It's pretty cool. He loves you whether you do anything or everything. God loves you. So in other words, what I'm saying is we don't serve God and we don't spend our lives and pouring our lives into the kingdom of God, into the church, into others and, and, and hoping that we're going to earn his love. No, no, he already loves you with a passion. So we don't do this for love. We do it from love. Two very different things. When you know how much you were loved, you cannot help but give your life. Like when I realize the depth of God's love for my life, which is an ever-growing thing in my heart, man, it causes me to want to wanna give more. It causes me to want to lay my life down because I know how deeply loved I am. I'm not doing this because I'm trying to earn and hopefully God likes me a little bit more today. No, no, He already loves me. I mean, you think about this, there's many parents in here, I'm sure you think about your children. You don't love them according to what they do or don't do for you. Come on now, some of you are like, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, we get frustrated with them. We get agitated. Sometimes you want to slap them upside the head in Jesus' name. <laughs> but we love them, whether they do nothing or everything for us, because they're our kids. Well, you're a child of God. He loves you, period. And God has created you with a purpose. And because of that creation, because there is a divine plan, because his hand has been intricately woven into your life, he has a right to our lives when it comes to God using us and spending our lives to build the church, to build the kingdom of God. Amen. The second thing is this. God has a right to us because of redemption. He has a right to us because of creation, but he has a right to us because of redemption. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says this. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom 
and understanding. Let me read that again. This is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. In him, in who? Not me, not Pastor Craig. In him, we have redemption through his precious blood, through forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and all understanding. We have been redeemed. Oh, I like this. See, this is one of those fundamentals that some of us can forget when you've been around church life for a long time. We can forget the power of being redeemed by the precious life of Christ. And when we understand at deeper levels that the redemption blood of Jesus, because of what he did, he made a way for you and I to have this relationship with God. And because of that relationship, God now pours his spirit into us. And he says, hey, listen, you're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. Do you realize I I have redeemed you. I have taken you from the pit of hell and brought you into life with purpose, with destiny. And when we realize this, it's like, wow. I mean, I've been doing this 20 years full time. I tell you, I feel like I'm more passionate now than I've ever been in my life. And by the grace of God, I may be 99 before Jesus comes back. I'm praying I get to 100, but I've got to start changing my eating habits, let's be honest. But I'm going to believe till I get to 100. I'm going to be just as passionate Still married to my wife if she's alive. Kids growing up, I want to I wanna give this everything. Do you know what I'm talking about this morning? Because, because I've, been, I've been redeemed. There is no God. There is no God in all the earth that has the ability to redeem our lives because He is the only true, the only true God. The Bible says it's because of Him we have this this redemption. You see, let me ask you a few questions today. You know, how, how will you spend, how will you spend your time? You don't have to answer it out loud, just, just think about it. Because Paul says, I'm going to be utterly spent. Now, look, I'll be honest again, it's easy for me to, to love my wife and my, my kids and serve them. And, you know, they're my family, they're my flesh and blood. That, that comes easy for me. But when it comes to others and people outside of my world, I'm going to need the revelation that God has created me with this purpose, that God has redeemed me. He's changed me forever. And because of His grace and His goodness and His mercy on my life, then I'm going to live with this heart and this spirit and this attitude that says, I'm going to give this one good shove, if that makes sense. Though I only live once, amen. There is no other second chance, third chance, fourth chance. There is no other come back later, whatever that theory is out there. What's it called again? Karma, whatever, you come back as something different. There is none of that. We have one shot right now on planet Earth. How will you spend your time praying, helping others, encouraging, uplifting, building people, building his church, building his kingdom? How are you going to spend your time? You have 168 hours every week. What are you going to do with that time? How will you spend it? I want to encourage you this morning, but I also want to challenge you. I don't know when I'll be back. You may not ever see me again. But I want to encourage your heart. You see, what we're a part of is a deeply, deeply spiritual thing, but it's also a very practical thing. <laughs> and to see Christian Family Center move into all that it has for its future, it's going to need a bunch of people that says, man, I'm going to, I'm going to, be, I'm going to spend my life building this, this kingdom of God, building this church, seeing what God has in his mind, his heart, fulfilled in my life through the local church. Amen. How will you spend your time and how are you going to spend the gifts and the talents that God has given you? God's gifted you. God's graced you. He's given you a certain, the way you think, the way you see is a, 
It's a gift. Now, your gift may be very different. I'm watching these guys up here and singing and playing music. Oh, I'm terrible at singing. Like, it's horrible. You ever heard me sing? You want to empty a building out? Get me to sing. <laughs> it's horrible. Can't play music. Can't sing. Can't dance. Not many gifts I have, but I know what, I, what gift I do have. Amen. And that gift comes from God. But the choice still remains mine. What am I going to do with the talents? What will I do with the gift that God has given me? What am I going to do with the resource? The resources that God has given me. What are you going to do with the resource God has given you? What are you going to do with the gift and the talent? God has graced you, shaped you a certain way. And the truth is we all have that choice to make on a daily basis. And I want to live like Paul did. God's created you. And if I could have the team up, please, I want to pray for some people before I leave. God's redeemed your life. You see, when I think about redemption, it's an amazing thing when you, when you recall and you start to really ponder where you would be without the grace of God. You have all these natural circumstances that we are wrestling with. I understand there's people here, you have bills to pay, some of you have mortgages, you've got rent, you've got kids, you've got schooling. We have this natural world that we're navigating through. And then we have these situations and circumstances that we go through and these things that happen to us and negative things, things can be said to us, things can be done to us, even in the local church, even in the church. People get hurt and people say stuff, do stuff, and, and we get caught up in a, in a system, if you like, and we can forget the simplicity of what it's all about. It's about Jesus. It's about His grace. It, it, it's about how He redeemed my life, how He changed me, how He set me free, how He laid His hand on your life, on my life, and that redemptive power of Christ, understanding also He's created us with His precious hand. God is everywhere, yes, but he's also as intimate as when we were being conceived in our mother's womb. God, the Holy Spirit, was in there shaping and knitting us. It says in Psalm 139. You see, even as I stand here preaching to you, I'm just starting to think. I don't know when the last time I was, I shared my, my little story. But I'm going to tell you, I don't know why. I don't normally share my story these days. But you said when I preach about redemption, in him we have redemption. In him I have redemption. You see, some people just look at preachers and think, well, they've got it all together. Look at that guy. He seems to be pretty confident up there. He seems like he's, you know, he's okay. He's doing his thing. But you've got to understand, without the grace of God and without Jesus stepping into my life and changing me, I quite literally would be dead or in jail. <laughs> you see, I, as, as an age, when I was seven years of age, I was sexually abused by a next-door neighbor three and a half years of my life. Went through all sorts of hell and horrendous things that no kid or person should ever have to deal with. But circumstances outside of my control, this stuff happened to me for three and a half years, and I'm messed up on the inside, full of confusion, full of anger, full of resentment, bitter. I'm angry at my parents. I'm angry at school. I'm angry at the teachers. I'm just angry. I'm hurting. Ten and a half, I start smoking pot. I've got an 11-year-old daughter. I'm up ten and a half, and I was smoking pot back then, and I'm thinking, man, this is my lot in life. This is it. I'm not going to give you all the gory stories, but suffice to say from that age to 17 years of age before I met Jesus Christ, 
Man, I was dancing hard for the devil. <laughs> full of anxiety, full of insecurity, full of fear. The fear of man, fear of what people may think about me. I mean, quite literally, I couldn't even stand around a conversation with three or four people because I was so intimidated. But then I gave my life to Christ, walked into a church in Sydney, Australia, and about 1,500 people in this auditorium. I was on the very top level. There was three levels, and I was on the very top row, the very, very top level on the very back row, trying to hide from God. But you can't hide from somebody who's everywhere. <laughs> but there I am in this church, and I'm longing for this thing that's going on in this auditorium. It was the presence of God, which I didn't know back then. And I'll never forget, they gave an altar call and this lady came up and asked me, would I like to give my life to Jesus Christ? And I actually told her in not so nice words to leave me alone. And she left, but this thing was burning on the inside. I'll never forget as I got off my seat and I walked three flights of stairs down to this altar call and stood there with a whole bunch of other people. And that was the moment that Christ came into my heart. A moment that God set me free. You see, I know what it is to be redeemed because one day before, I mean, literally, when you think about the grace and the goodness of God, you see, I, I, I'm just, right now as I'm preaching, I'm like, man, this gets my, gets my blood pumping because I know that God has redeemed me. You see, these days, I've been married 20 years. That's ridiculous. Have three amazing children, building a great church on the Gold Coast, get to do this sort of thing I'm doing today all over the world. This is insane. But this is the grace and the goodness of God where you and I say, all right, my life is not my own. I understand you've created me, God. You have a purpose for my life. You have a cause for my life. Oh, Lord, I understand you have redeemed me. You've set me free. I no longer live with that insecurity or with that sense of fear or that sense of that self-worth. I live in the peace and the grace of God. And so like Paul said, I'm going to be utterly spent I'm going to spend all my resources. I don't know about you this morning, but I fly home tomorrow. I want to leave you a deposit of the Holy Spirit. You see some of us in here now, you feel challenged. Good. <laughs> you feel a sense of conviction. That's the Holy Spirit. It's a good thing. Your life is not your own. The image of God is scripted on your soul. It's been implanted on your heart. God's created you and he has redeemed your life. So he has a right to us. Amen. And how will you spend your life? How will you spend your time? How are you going to spend your resource? Because God does amazing things in us. Let me tell you this last story. I was in Singapore last week and I had this, uh, finished preaching three services and they took me out to lunch as you do. And we were sitting in this restaurant and, and to be honest with you, I was quite tired. Um, you know, uh, ministry, and can I just say this has something to what I, this has something to do with what I'm going to say. Pray for your pastors, because it may look like an easy job, but it's tough. Ministry can be very grueling and grinding. And I was in uh, one of those moments. I was I was feeling exhausted. I'd been away the, the following few days. I don't know where I was, and I got home for a few days with my wife, my kids, and I was off on a plane again, preaching in Singapore, and I was tired. I was feeling exhausted and I'm out to lunch to be honest I just wanted to go to the hotel and and I'm um, sitting there we're having lunch and I'm, I'm just watching this this older gentleman with his wife and you know when you just watch people does anyone watch people or am I the only weird one here <laughs> I'm a people watcher and, uh, and and I'm looking at this guy with his wife and we're talking away and I keep watching him and 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 I just I don't know I just felt like you know when you want to do something you know when you have the sense of God's compassion does anyone know what I'm talking about 
And I'm like, what am I going to do? Singaporeans are very reserved people. And, and so I thought, oh, well, we get to the counter, the pay, and the pastor who I was with paid for the bill. And, and this couple that I was watching all day was just behind us to fix their bill up. So when the pastor I was with paid the bill, I, I said, excuse me, can you just sort theirs out? You know, just pay their bill. It was, I don't know, 90, Singapore dollars, which is about... 100 Australians, not about the same amount of Australian dollars and paid the bill and we're walking out the door and I knew what was going to happen because he turns up, he's at the county, he starts and they're, they're like, he's trying to pay but they're like, oh, the, the guy over there and I just keep walking out and we walk out the door down some stairs and this guy comes running after us. He's like, excuse me, why did you pay that bill? <laughs> and I said, well, it may seem weird to you, sir, but I'm a Christian and uh I don't know, God told me to. And this guy just starts to cry. And he says, you know, it was crazy. It was amazing. A whole lot of stuff said, and there was some hugs that, were, that happened. And, but one of the things he said, he, you know, he said, oh, I was a Christian many years ago, but I walked away from Jesus. I walked away from the church. And I looked at this guy, and I said, hey, listen, God hasn't given up on you. He still loves you. Still, he, This guy's probably in his, like, mid-50s, maybe early 60s. I said, he still has a plan for you. He's created you, sir. He's redeemed your life. And look, he didn't give his life to Jesus right at that moment because that would be such an awesome end of the story. You know, those ones where you're like, ah, boom, and everyone's like, oh. Well, no, he didn't give his life to Christ. But I walked away and I thought, man, this is what it's about. Come on now. It's about the people in, in our world and that we encounter, we encounter everyday life, we engage with in everyday life. You have the life and the hope and the grace of Jesus inside you. And this church here, Christian Family Center, is a church that is moving forward. But as I've already said, it's not going to happen on the, the gifts and the talents of a few. It's going to happen on the sacrifice of many that understand that we have been created with a purpose, that we have been redeemed for a purpose, that God's image has been inscripted on our lives. And much like Paul said, where he's like, I'm going to gladly spend all my resources. I'm going to be utterly spent. When we understand these simple principles, it helps us to live a different way where we understand that our time is not our time, our money is not our money, our gifts are not our gifts, our talents aren't our talents. It is for the glory of God to see the kingdom established on earth in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me? My time is up. Let me just pray for you. We serve an awesome God. This morning you may be here and I just want to quickly pray for this, this group of people first and then I'll, I'll move on real quick and I'm almost done but just stay with me. This morning you may be here and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You may have come with a family member, you may have come with a friend, you may literally have walked in off the street. I'm not sure how you came to be in church today but I do know this that that God knows you, He cares for you, and He has this plan for your life. And you're here this morning and you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time. You want to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. Call out His name. The Bible says, whoever, whoever, that means you, that means me, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall, will be saved. Or maybe you're here this morning and you say, Dan, well, I, I once made that commitment, but, uh, but my heart's turned to the right, it's turned to the left, and... 
I feel the Holy Spirit challenging me. You, you know you need to get the spiritual condition of your heart right today. I want to ask you to respond in a moment as well and to come back to your first love. Maybe the things of the world have distracted you, pulled you to the right, maybe to the left. I'm not sure what's happened, but you just say, you, you know, it's you. Your heart's beating faster. And you say, Dan, I want to get that right. I want to fall in love with Jesus again. And it may be you're here today and you're in either of those categories. You've made a commitment to Christ before, or maybe you've never made this decision. Can I just tell you that God does love you with an unstoppable, unshakable love? And the gospel is basically this. It's so simple, the gospel of Christ. We have sinned. All of us have made mistakes. That sin separates us from God because he's holy, righteous, perfect. Sin and God do not go together. But he had a plan, and that was to send Jesus Christ to live on earth. 33 years he lived here, never made a mistake, never sinned, never dropped the ball, lived perfectly, holy. Gave his life on a cross. Nobody took it from him. He gave it. He surrendered it because he was the way back to God. Because of his sacrifice on the cross, because he gave his life for us, we now have a way to have this relationship with God. Simply by receiving Jesus. That's the gospel in a nutshell. Because God is not dead. Jesus rose three days later. And today lives in the hearts of millions and millions and millions of people all over the world. So if you're in either of those categories this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus, or maybe you once did, while every head's bowed and every eye's closed, can I just ask you by way of response, just lifting your hand, just, just lift it this morning, don't be afraid, don't be shy. If that's you this morning, you know, that's me, Dan, I want to give my life to Christ for the first time. I want to make a recommitment to Jesus. Just quickly lift your hand this morning, there's some people here, even though it's that recommitment thing, you're worried about what people's going to think. Don't worry about what anybody thinks right now. It matters what Jesus thinks. If that's you, quickly lift your hand before I move on. In Jesus' precious name on my left, in the middle. God bless you. God bless you, man. Fantastic. Quickly lift. I've just seen two hands go up. Just quickly lift them this morning. Say yes to Jesus. First time of a recommitment. He loves you. He cares for you. Greatest decision you could ever make is this one right here. Salvation of your soul. And any, other, any other hands? Just want to, any other lives want to say yes to Jesus? God bless you, young man. Fantastic. Don't miss your opportunity this morning. Greatest decision is this one here. In Jesus' mighty name. Here's what I want to do. I just want to quickly pray for those three people. And uh, together as a church, can we say this prayer? And those that raised your hand, would you... Follow me in this prayer, and we're going to say it together as a church and believe with you in Jesus' name. Dear Lord Jesus, today I give you my heart. Today, Jesus, I turn from my sin. I thank you for washing me clean. Thank you, Jesus, for setting me free. From this day forward, I will serve you all the days of my life. I ask you to become my Savior to become my Lord and my very best friend in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, and amen. Can we give them a hand? Come on, give them a hand in Jesus' name. Well, my time's up, but really quick, I just want to, I'm not going to ask you to bow your heads. This morning I talked about spending and being spent. And uh, the reason I'm not going to ask you to, to bow your heads or close your eyes is you're in a family you know, who cares what others think. And uh, this morning, if you feel somewhat challenged when it comes to spending your life and 
at a deeper level for the cause of Jesus, then I just want you to lift your hand and say, that's me. I want to make this commitment at a deeper level to, to understand what God has done. If that's you, just quickly lift your hand. I'm going to pray for you right where you stand. Come on, his hands going up all over the place. Don't be afraid. Just lift it high in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you right now for your goodness. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. And I prayed this this morning, Lord, early this morning when nobody else was around, but I'll pray it out publicly. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you again to do the work that only you can do, and that is change our lives. Lord, I pray for every single hand that was raised, Lord. You know the situation. You know the circumstance. Lord, you see their deep passion for you, God. And I pray, Lord, at deeper levels, may we be a people that will serve you at greater levels in our lives. Lord, may we be a generation that will spend our lives for the cause of your life, Lord Jesus, to exalt your name, to reach other people for the cause of Jesus. Lord, I pray over every household, over every life, that your grace, that your favor, that your goodness will rest over them, that even right now will they sense your anointing, even right now that they sense your presence resting over them, Lord God, and may they make decisions moving out of this auditorium that are going to move their life in a different direction. Lord, may they make the steps necessary to allow their lives to be spent by you, God, in Jesus' precious name. Come on, why don't we sing this song, team?